The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Creep Show Chronicles, the podcast where we discuss murder, the macabre, and all the spooky shit. I'm Sam. And I'm Ashley. Now grab your weed, your wine, or some coffee, and let's get creepy. All right, so do you believe in omens? I could say yes. Yeah. Like I, if, if I would have encountered count, something. So far, no. No, I haven't. I didn't. Right, right. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do as well. And look, we've already covered the Mothman. If you'd like to listen to that, I'm sorry. It's like a really early episode and we did not know what we were doing. Barely know what we're doing now, but, you know, a little bit right, better. Right. Um, but the Mothman has been seen multiple times before, like, terrible events happened, like 9-11, COVID, all kinds of shit. And, like, the Mothman was seen flying around Chicago, like, right before COVID hit America. What? Yes. Yeah. The quote-unquote Mothman. And then, like, the quote-unquote Mothman was seen flying around the World Trade Centers before 9-11 happened. Um... Today we're going to be talking about another omen, but this is kind of a kind of a good omen because we'll get into it. So this is the gray man. And the gray man helps people before hurricanes. He kind of warns people before hurricanes come. So the gray man is a ghost reportedly seen on the coast of Polly's Island, South Carolina, that warns residents of oncoming severe storms and hurricanes. Although there are many variations of the legend, most say the Gray Man was first seen in 1822, three years before the town government was incorporated. The last reported sighting was just before Hurricane Florence hit in 2018, and previously just before Hurricane Hugo hit the area in 1989. According to Wikipedia, legend holds that the Gray Man is the ghost of a young man traveling from Charleston to see his fiancée in 1822. On the way, he and his horse were caught in quicksand like pluff mud in the marshes before Polly's Island and died. Oh no! Yeah. Oh my god, it's like fucking never, never any story. story. Yeah. Oh my god, why do they always have to show that fucking scene? <laughs> his spirit has haunted the shore nearby ever since, looking for the girl he loved. The legend appears to have first entered print in Julia Stevenson Bollock's book. Waccamaw Waccamaw Plantations, published in 1946, and was repeated more elaborately in his 1956 book of ghost stories. The Gray Man got national attention just after Hurricane Hugo when residents Jim and Clara Moore were, were interviewed on the television show Unsolved Mysteries, which aired in 1990. They, were told their, uh, they told their story about seeing the man on the beach and how he disappeared when they waved. Their house was spared in the storm while the homes of their neighbors were heavily damaged. The Weather Channel aired a series in 2014, America, American Supernatural, that devoted an entire episode to the Gray Man. People who have allegedly encountered the spirit have credited him with saving them or their homes. Either they have come ashore or left the area and returned to find their homes and belongings unscathed by the storm. He has been described as a man wearing gray clothing, a long coat, dressed like a pirate, and sometimes having no legs. So, quote, it's a story I heard growing up. Uh, Ryan Fontaine, a 23-year-old Polly's Island resident, told Yahoo Lifestyle, I think everyone in the low country has heard the story, especially when hurricanes or tropical storms begin to form around our area. It's always something you hear people bring up. He's a friendly entity. 
not that it's a good thing to see him, but when someone die, uh, does claim to see him, it gives us locals an idea of what we're dealing with. For superstitious lo uh, locals, an appearance by the gray man is as good as a sign as any that it's time to evacuate. It is said that those who heed his warning will ride out the storm safely with their property undamaged. From our lovely uh, Leslie Jordan of the paranormal community, Aww. Chip Coffee, during Hurricane Florence, he wrote, quote, this is allegedly a photo of the gray man ghost who, legend says, shows up prior to a devastating hurricane. Reports say that he has recently made an appearance on the beach of Polly's Island, South Carolina. Hashtag Hurricane Florence. So there are a few different origin stories regarding the fabled gray man, many of which involve a lovesick sailor returning from sea. Others believe that he is the original owner of Polly's Island, George Polly, who died in the 1700s. No matter how he got there, one thing's for sure. The gray man seems destined to wander the shores of Polly's Island for eternity, keeping its residents safe along the way. I know. The one I liked best is a young woman walking from the windswept, lonely beach not far from her parents' Polly's Island home. She was in mourning for her childhood sweetheart, who had recently died in a tragic accident on the island. Her love had returned to Georgetown by ship after an absence of several months. He was so eager to see his beloved fiancé that rather than wasting one more precious moment away from her, he took a shortcut across the previously untraveled marshland. With, this, with his faithful manservant riding a short distance behind, the eager fellow and his horse came to a sudden stop and began to sink rapidly into a patch of deadly quicksand. His manservant watched in horror, unable to help his young master, as the young man and his horse disappeared into the mire. When the young woman heard of her fiance's tragic death, she was heartbroken. After the funeral, she took to the to walking the stretch of beach where she and her beau used to stroll in happier times. This particular day was windier than most, but it suited her recent mood. She was alone with her sadness and the whipping wind with the ocean crashing by her side. Suddenly, a figure appeared ahead. As she walked closer, the young man, the young woman could have sworn it was her fiance. With no fear, she walked toward him. Quote, leave the island at once, end quote, he said. Quote, you are in danger, leave the island, end quote. Then he disappeared. The young lady hurried home to tell her father and mother about the strange, unsettling experience. Upon hearing their daughter's strange story, her parents immediately began making plans to leave Polly's Island for their inland home. They did not know what danger they were fleeing, but they did know that their daughter was a sensible person and not prone to flights of fancy. The family left Polly's Island before the dawn the following morning. That night, as they lay sleeping in the safety of their inland home, a fierce hurricane ravaged Polly's Island. The hurricane destroyed most of the homes on Polly's Island, but the home of the young woman's family was undamaged. Another legend about the gray man- I have chills. I know! <laughs> Another legend about the gray man claims that he is the spirit of Plowden Charles uh, Generet Weston, the original owner of the house on Polly's Island, now known as the Pelican Inn. Born in 1819, Plowden was a member of a wealthy Georgetown rice plantation dynasty. He spent his early years at Laurel Hill Plantation, where he was privately educated by a British tutor. At the age of 12, Plowden's family temporarily moved to England so that their son could attend school there. Although the boy's father was adamantly anti-British, he wanted Plowden to have a proper classical English education. Eventually, the Weston family returned to the Georgetown area, but Plowden stayed 
on to study at Cambridge. There, he fell deeply in love with Emily Frances Estale, the beautiful sister of one of his close friends. Emily's father was an English baronet. Plowden feared that his father would not approve of his plans to marry Emily because of his anti-British sentiments and his disdain for British aristocracy. Plowden sailed back to Georgetown to discuss his marriage plans face-to-face with his father. Plowden's father agreed to the wedding, but trouble soon appeared on the horizon. Emily's father and Plowden's father began to compete to see who could give the young couple the finest wedding present. Emily's father opened the battle by giving them a dowry of 7,000 pounds. Plowden's father uh, arrogantly replied that he would give the couple 70,000 pounds, a house in London, and one in Geneva. Wow. You win. You win. (laughs) Emily's father quickly realized that he could not compete with the astonishingly rich rice planter. Despite the animosity between their fathers, Plowden and Emily were married in August of 1847. They established a residence at Hagley Plantation, another gift from Plowden's father. Hagley was by far the finest gift of all. Its lands included vast acres of fertile rice fields, which extended from the black cypress-lined Waccamaw River to the Atlantic Ocean. Just off the shore of Hagley Plantation was Polly's Island, the golden gem of the Waccamaw Neck. Soon after the wedding, Plowden and Emily made plans to build a summer home there. For years, low country planters made their summer homes on the sea islands to escape the malaria-carrying mosquitoes that plagued the plantations. Plowden and Emily were acclimated to England's cooler weather and were especially anxious to escape the subtropical humidity and intense heat of the plantation summers. They also sought a home where they could take refuge from the social and work-related demands of Hagley Plantation. The house they built is now known as the Pelican Inn. So, Renty Tucker, Hagley's master carpenter, was in charge of construction for the Pelican Inn. Every piece of lumber for the island home was hand-hewn, uh, hewn, hand-hewn and numbered at Hagley before it was taken by boat to Polly's. One of the few homes on Polly's at that time, Pelican Inn, was loving, lovingly planned. Its elevated, strong-tempered foundation and the floor, the lower floor, were nestled behind the dunes in a tangled sea of oats, cedars, and myrtles. The upper portion of the house rose high above the trees and sheltered dunes. Handmade arches and columns adorned the wide porch that surrounded the lower floor. The second floor, piazza, faced the Atlantic. This porch was accessible from the bedrooms on the upper floor. Plowden and Emily spent many peaceful hours on this high, secluded piazza, gazing at the night sky and the Atlantic Ocean. Splitting their time between Hagley and their beloved inland retreat, the young Westons led a happy, productive, and sometimes secluded existence. Plowden and Emily had an exquisite chapel built on Hagley Plantation. The chapel could seat up to 200 slaves at a time. One of 13 slave chapels on the Waccamaw Neck, St. Mary's of Hagley, was by far the most lovely. The chapel was adorned with stained glass windows handcrafted in England, uh, hand-carved oak uh, choir stalls, and a granite baptismal font. Plowden and Emily spent the first decade of their married lives absorbed in each other. The intricate workings of their plantation and their scholarly pursuits. Now, we're not supporting the fact that they were plantation owners, obviously. That's not cool. Um fucking cool at all. (laughs) Right? By the late 1850s, however, Plowden began to feel that their productive paradise would not last forever. In the years before the war, Plowden, a published South Carolina, well, South Carolina historian, turned his literary, 
literary and oratory skills, I don't have those apparently, uh, toward the dissension that was growing between the North and South. He gave many fiery and prophetic speeches, warning of the impending confrontation, yet his support always lay with the Southern cause, unfortunately. When the Civil War began, Plowden turned his attention away from the oration and towards battle. He became company commander of the Georgetown Rifle Guard, Company A of the 10th Regiment. He personally armed, uniformed, and supplied gear to the 150 men that were in his charge. During the early part of the war, when future, when the future of the Confederacy was more that a hopeful dream, huh, he and Emily entertained many of the regiment's men and their ladies at the Pelican Inn. Later in the war, an alarm rose for the rifle guard to gather within a few miles of Hagley Plantation. When the threat turned into a false alarm, Plowden came up with a wonderful idea. He sent word to Hagley that his entire company would be arriving that night for dinner. Soon, the wary group was enjoying a luxurious three-course dinner served with family silver, crystal, and fine china for all. Each course arrived with a different vintage uh, of wine from the Hagley cellar. Near the end of the war, Plowden contracted tuberculosis. Uh, Eventually, it worsened to the point that his life was in danger. Fearing that they would lose him, Plowden's friends in the state legislature intervened. They knew Plowden would not leave his command, so these concerned lawmakers elected their old friend to the office of lieutenant governor. Plowden gave up his command to accept this office, but he was unable to serve for long. By the end of January 1864, the tuberculosis he contracted during his service to the Confederate Army worsened, and it became evident that he would die. At Plowden's request, each of the Hagley servants traveled to Conway, South Carolina, where he lay dying. There, there they received from him, one at a time, a small personal gift of remembrance. His last moments were spent with the love of his life, his adoring Emily. He asked her to arrange for two of their devoted servants to transport his body by canoe down the Waccamaw River to Hagley. He also asked her to see that he was buried next to his father in the churchyard of All Saints Waccamaw Episcopal Church. Ooh, I said it. Yay. I can never say Episcopal. <laughs> the place where he and Emily were married. It is because of Plowden's faithful service to, to his beloved home and those who live on it that many believe that he is the gray man. The same Plowden, Charles Generet Weston, who warned his neighbors of the risk of war and later fought for his cherished homeland, now roams the beach near his beloved island home, warning residents of impending danger. So, it could be anybody, really. Yeah. But still, another version of the legend of the Gray Man exists. Mrs. Eileen Eileen Weaver, who owned Pelican Inn for many years, has seen the Gray Man many times, but she believes he is someone else. Someone she identified from a 19th century photograph. The first time Mrs. Weaver saw a spirit at Pelican Inn, she was in the kitchen with her cook, <laughs> preparing homemade bread. The two women were absorbed in kneading the heavy dough when Mrs. Weaver turned to see a lady standing behind her. Jesus. Arms, I know. Arms akimbo and eyes fixed sternly on bread-making process. Her features, Mrs. Weaver said, were French, and she wore a disapproving of expression. Of course. Of course she did. Just one way to freak you the fuck out. Right? I hate when they do that. <laughs> she seemed to be scrutinizing the making of the bread as if to say, you better do it right. The woman's dress was made of a material like gingham, patterned in a little gray and white check. Her bodice was fronted with tiny pearl buttons, and a long apron was tied at her waist. 
Despite the woman's clarity of appearance, Mrs. Weaver could tell the figure standing before her was not a living human. Quote, you knew the features were not earthly, but they were clear, end quote, Weaver explained. Weaver explained. This was the first of many appearances by the spirit of the woman. She became somewhat familiar and anticipated uh, and an anticipated sight at Pelican Inn. Mrs. Weaver recalls that some of her guests would wait on the sofa in the spacious setting room, sitting room on balmy summer evenings and watch for the woman to walk up the stairs. Many guests did not realize that she was the spirit the first time they saw her. I mean, I would probably act like, yeah. oh, hey, yeah, you know, you just don't, you just take a quick glance, uh -huh. you know. It's like a lot of times you hear with some of these ghost stories, it's the chair, not me. Uh, you hear these, I know, what is that? <laughs> these uh, ghost stories in like old places like Gettysburg or in the south somewhere, they go up to, you know, a tour guide and be like, do you guys have reenactors working today? And they're just like, no. And there's like, I just saw somebody, you know, and it's, it's a ghost. I literally just saw some. Uh-huh. So Mrs. Weaver's first encounter with the spirit she believes to be the gray man was as abrupt as her first encounter with the woman. One day, he suddenly appeared in front of her, wearing clothes from the 19th century. The male figure also appeared to appear, also began to appear regu regularly, and Mrs. Weaver and her family grew used to the two spirits that shared their home. Mrs. Weaver's daughter re uh, relates this occurrence. During spring cleaning one year, my sister-in-law, Gail, was helping my mother get the inn in shape for the summer guest. Her job involved cleaning the upstairs bedroom and hallway. Mother always had magazines and books on a long reading table in the hallway for the enjoyment of the guests. Usually at the end of the season, all of the magazines would be discarded, but some comic books remained this time from the previous year. Gail reached to, th uh, to thumb through one, finding it interesting. She leaned back against the table. This apparently did not sit well with the ghost of the house because after a few moments, Gail felt a tug at her shirt tail. Thinking it was one of us teasing her, she ignored the tug and continued to read. Again, there was a tug at her shirt tail. This time, she turned around to see who was there. She realized that the wood floors made it impossible for anyone to sneak up on her without being heard. Whoever it was got the message across because Gail quickly laid the comic book down and went back to work. It took Gail some time to tell us this story, but we'd never doubted that it happened. This type of thing happens on a regular basis around the house. Mrs. Weaver told her experiences at the Pelican Inn to the late chronicler of Georgetown's history, Julian Stevenson Bollock. He, bought her, he brought her an assortment of 19th century photographs and asked her to look through them. From the many photographs, Mrs. Weaver identified a picture of a woman and another picture of a man who looked unmistakably like the spirits in her home. The pictures she had chosen were photographs of Mr. and Mrs. Mazik, cousins of Plowden and Emily Weston. The Westons did not have any children, and when Emily Weston died, the Mazics inherited the Pelican Inn. The Mazics lovingly operated the home as a bed and breakfast inn for many years. Mrs. Weaver believes the spirit of Mr. Mazik is the gray man. In the past 200 years, five hurricanes have hit the shores of Polly's Island, Yahoo reported. Hurricane Hazel in 1954 and Hurricane Hugo in 1989 claimed an estimated 119 lives between them. According to locals, the gray man appeared before each of the five storms. That's sad right there, y'all. <laughs> get on your boats, get on the fucking ferry, go to the main and one. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out of there. If you see the gray man, fucking run. You, 
Yeah. Tip your hat, say thank you, and then get the fuck out. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Gray Man. Well, come on, guys. We gotta pack our shit. Go. <laughs> so this hurricane is over. Okay. So if you see the Gray Man, get the fuck out. Get, get the, the fuck. Get the hell out of Dodge. Run like hell. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. If you see the Gray Man. That one. That was fun. Yeah. That was actually, kind of sweet. It was sweet. Yeah. It was really sweet and. If you listened last week, I'm really sorry about the kids, the killer kids. I have no idea what we're doing next week. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. If you'd like to contact us or give us recommendations, you can email us, thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. Creep us on social media. All of our info is on our link tree at The Creep Show Chronicles. Be sure to share our show so we can grow our audience. Stay creepy. Bye.